0: To be honest, I was scared reaching out for help, because I was like, this could totally ruin my career.
1: Somebody to have a more proactive approach, and that he was coming to me to be that person. They had found him, and he committed suicide.
0: I just started screaming. I just felt responsible. Hello everyone, I am Timothy Lawson, host and founder of the one-too-many veteran suicide... Podcast and project. Today is Tuesday, and I'm here with another story. Back at it with the regular programming. Very excited to bring a new set of stories to the table. I'm always humbled when people are willing to come forward and make themselves vulnerable in front of my audience for the sake of creating better understanding and allowing others to empathize with them and what they experienced and just get us to a better solution. Today, before posting this, I have seen a lot of nonsense uh, in around Facebook and Twitter and the rest of the internet about veteran suicide and caring and a bunch of other stuff that I have already addressed. But I will, uh, I'm going to address it again on Thursday in my momentary reflections. This week's story is from a Navy veteran who served in the law enforcement in the Navy and when he was in Italy, had to respond to a suicide crisis. And this is a very interesting perspective on what it means to be on the law enforcement side responding to such an event and going through the experience of having uh, having to do that response. And Witnessing what has happened or what will happen, uh, and all the other aspects of the event, uh, you'll notice that my guest uh, chuckles a little bit as he talks about the the experience. And uh you know, before before we before we identify that as being too insensitive, uh, you know, just remember that some people deal with crisis and um, and nervousness with with humor. And uh, later in the episode, um, you know, there's a little later in the episode, he talks about how you know suicide about how committing suicide really impacts everybody around you, not just your immediate family, but the people you work with, the, the law enforcement that has to respond to to your threats to the, the people in the hospital and um, you know, and it's just, it's a lot of elements of a suicide that we haven't really talked about here on, on the show yet, and um, I wanted to give him an opportunity to bring this to the table, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, insensitive or not, it's definitely things that are worth keeping into consideration when, when talking about suicide prevention in response to suicide crisis. So, without further ado, here's my guest on the law enforcement perspective. Stay tuned after we're after the interview for my closing r- remarks.
1: Uh, so I was stationed in Naples, Italy, at uh, and it's naval Naval Support Activity NSA uh, Naples in southern Italy, and uh, I was at our Grisha Nano base, which is where the housing and the it's the community where the Navy exchange and the commissary is and all the other cool things like that. Well, it was around 1130 and an Italian ambulance came on base, which I have never seen in my entire life of living there. So me and my partner, uh, I won't say his name because I don't know who might hear this, but, uh, we'll call him Bob. And, me and Bob were like, why is there an Italian ambulance coming off base on the base? That doesn't make sense. So I was like, either A, somebody got into a motorcycle crash, and he's a citizen of the United States, and the Caribbean is bringing him on board, or somebody got hurt as an Italian on installation, and now they're going to an Italian hospital. Well, we had a police escort that was set up, and the ambulance came in police escort took them over to the hospital because they're not authorized people onto the base. So we had to escort them over there. That was cool. Okay. Easy. So then we're getting off post. We go inside our precinct, which is literally right next to the front gate. We go in there two minutes later, we're heading back out the same door. We came in because we got a call about an attempted suicide. We had no idea what was going on. Wonderful dispatchers in that cute little dispatch box had, no clue what was going on, even though that they were the ones that were on the phone with the person. They didn't get any information, whether the guy was using a weapon, like a gun, or a knife, a sword. Nothing. Whether he just had his bare hands. So we rushed over to where his apartment was. And then my supervisor told us, Okay, wait out here. I'm going to go up there, see what's going on, figure some shit out. I'm going to call you uh, if I need you guys. So... Like five or ten minutes later, he goes over the radio and he says, hey, I need somebody to come up here. And even though I'm in the Navy with that Marine Corps mentality, you know, as MAs, that's what we're we're taught. We're taught that Marine Corps mentality. We just do shit. Like if if there's a shitty situation, you just can do it. So before the guy could even radio up before he could even roger up on our radio, I was already at the door. Because that, that's how fast it was. I opened up our police the police car door and ran across the street, which is not that far, but still. Like I was there before he could even roger up. So I'm going up this fucking staircase of this apartment building and I get to the third floor and he's like, Oh no, we're up we're up on the top floor. I'm like, Oh okay, sweet. I've already gone up four floors, now I have to go up the bedroom great so I go upstairs and there's a puddle of blood seeping through and it's on the left side like half of the door there was blood seeping out about six inches and the guy that had called it in was the neighbor across the way which was like 10 yards maybe not even that far and he was just like oh it's been like that for three hours and we just looked at him like, and you didn't even consider the fact that maybe I should call the police or knock on the door see what was going on. <laughs> I mean there's a red liquid coming under the door. Right. you didn't even consider, huh, maybe I should uh
0: Report you know, this.
1: Chef could check up on his shipmate. Oh, yeah. you uh you dropped a bottle of wine and now it exploded all over the house. Cool. Just wanted to make sure you were safe. Nah. He didn't yeah. even do that. We were just like, Go inside your house, we'll We'll get in contact with you if you knew, if we need you and then uh, like 20 minutes later for whatever reason we just stood around and talked about the situation and then we got the skeleton key which opens up all the all the apartment doors on the base so were you
0: were you trying to make contact with the, the subject inside we didn't know anything.
1: all I knew was that I had a gun and I was there to protect the investigators there. And that was my only job. I didn't really have to worry about anything else. Gotcha. So we were just standing around. I mean, this was like two years ago, so I don't even remember what we were doing there. I was just like, "Okay, when when are we going to go inside and figure out what the fuck this dude is doing? So finally, we go inside, and there is a pile of clothing over a puddle of blood. And it was actually seeping through the clothing in the the lower parts where there wasn't as much clothes. So you go in and about five and a half to six feet past the front door, you take a right and there's blood all the way down the hallway. So there's blood in front of the door. There's blood all the way down the hallway to the right. And you look in the bathroom, there's blood all over the the bathroom. Like all over the floor. It was all over the bottom side of the of the uh sink. It was all over the bottom side of the front part of the uh, toilet. The toilet wouldn't stop running. I have no idea why. It was just running for like five hours straight. <laughs> and then it goes down the hallway a little bit more, probably about another three feet and then it like veers off to the left and then it goes inside of his room to the uh, front corner on the right side of this dude's bed. And on the bed at the corner was a 9-inch kitchen knife, 9 to, I'd say, 10-inch kitchen knife. And it was completely coated in a heavy, thick paste of blood, about 3 inches, 3 to
0: 4 inches. I,
1: I, have ne- I had never seen so much blood in my entire life in one space.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're you're describing what seems to be almost more than a human's, you know, worth of blood.
1: They told me that this dude put out like eight pints or, I, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, like eight quarts, don't quote me. But right. people were like, oh, that's impossible. I'm not a doctor. I, like I said, I don't know, all I know is that there was more than enough blood, if it was water, it would hydrate me for several hours. Yeah, it, that was it. Was insane, and, and there was there's blood going all the way down the staircase that I didn't even see when we were going down. He was like, "There's blood there. There's blood there. There's blood there." I'm like, "Where did all this blood come from?" So he walks down the staircase after he stabs himself in the neck. In the neck, I thought it was in the stomach because i I smelled what smelled I smelled what smelled like throw up. So I was like, "Oh, he must have stabbed himself in the in." the stomach and that's why yeah it smells like throw up because all his stomach fluids spilled out well he drove himself to the hospital the united states naval hospital on uh, grecianato and i mean i guess what he was thinking in his head is he was like oh i hate my life blah 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 i'm gonna stab myself i'm gonna kill myself right now oh this isn't working out this is a little bit more painful than i thought it would be and then he drives himself to the hospital.
0: So what? Uh, what resulted?
1: Not, I I don't know. I'll I'll never find out. Other than the fact that that ambulance was to bring him to an Italian hospital because they have limited resources and supplies. So they yeah. had to. I mean, the guy stabbed himself with a nine-inch kitchen knife, three inches into his body. So he must have done some so, serious damage.
0: Yeah so what what did that i mean how did how did that affect you at all re- responding to something like that and seeing that much blood and knowing that uh you know a a shipmate you know inflicted that on themselves
1: Oh it was terrible for like a month and a half like for six months i didn't do anything i didn't carry a gun for six months, but for a month and a half it was just like I seriously had p t s d for like i swear to god six months
0: wow what and like how did how did the how did the the base or the unit respond to this? Like was there w- what occurred afterwards inside the, or inside the unit or the base?
1: Like how did my my supervisors help me?
0: Yeah, or like you know, was there any? <clears throat> so you, so you don't know if he survived or not, huh?
1: No, I mean he could have died at the Italian hospital.
0: Yeah, interesting. He...
1: He had a top secret security clearance, so we were really worried about that. Yeah, there's a guy that just had to kill himself, and he, he has highly, highly, highly classified information. Top secret security clearance. Right. He was an IT too, so in the he's in the computer field.
0: Yeah. So how, how did that? Um, yeah, I mean, how did yeah, how did your supervisors respond to? I mean, were you were you acting any differently, or were you just sort of just in a couple month long shock well
1: at first I was like like we we did everything it was like it lasted like three three hours three and a half hours something like that and then uh, like I got back to our precinct and and they were like are you alright are you good and I'm like yeah man I'm cool cool and then we go back out to our post where we initially started this whole entourage and I that was the end of it from there I was just like, i't can't, can't do this anymore, and so I, I told my the guy that I was on post with, I said, "Hey, man, I can't do this anymore. I gotta get the fuck out of here." And he was like, "All right, cool. I'll, I'll call one of the first classes." So he came out there, uh got me in as fast as possible, I downloaded because I had a gun on me i still I still had a gun, and uh, so they downloaded me, and then I sat there, and the duty chaplain he came and talked to me.
0: Was it, um, is this the, was that the only time you'd ever encountered something like that?
1: Something that bad, that violent?
0: Yeah, I mean, how do you, have you responded to suicides on base in other scenarios?
1: No, that was, that was by far the worst. Definitely the worst thing that I've. I mean, I, I know I couldn't by far say that it wasn't like, like not bad. It was just, like I've I've seen so many stupid situations. Like of course it you know, somebody that's you know, of whatever rank they wanna say they're higher rank and they think they're badass and you know, that but I mean that's that's simple. Like we tell them to fuck off and have a nice day and I mean that's it. Right. That, that so that's ninety percent. So of you said
0: this happened. was two years ago, right? Two thousand thirteen. Okay. Yeah. So how did how did how did your mind because obviously because, so this happened while the crisis of veteran suicide is almost highlighted at its peak so how did how did that make you like mentally respond to what you saw knowing that service members are are struggling with this with mental and emotional health issues and you had the first hand sort of you know see the aftermath of what that can do.
1: Well, I didn't actually know that it was at uh, its peak at that time period, but, like, all I knew was, okay, this dude's trying to commit suicide. We have no idea what he has in there, whether it's a firearm or a knife, because we've caught people with guns over there. They get them in the shipment. They don't check the shipments, and then they get them on the base. So... I mean, we've, we've caught people with guns. That's not, that's not unheard of. So he could have easily had a weapon in that, in that house too. I'll never find out. But I had a guy in front of me who was completely unarmed and that, that's really stupid. Like yeah, he's, he was arrogant for doing that. Like he thought, because, oh, I'm CID, I can be the first to walk in shit. If I was in his position, I would have looked at me and I would have said, "You're up, buddy. You're up first. You're the one that had yeah. the gun. I ain't going in there first. I let him walk in front of me."
0: I mean, I don't know what your emotional, you know, health is like, but has this has this uh, event changed the way that you look at your own emotional and, and mental health?
1: I mean, not mine, but like if anybody ever asks me. Or tries to like doubt what I've done. I look at them and say, "You don't even want to know the one particular incident that I've had to deal with." And I hope nobody would ever have to respond to some shit like that, because that is all. That's just completely off the chain.
0: That's just you said. You said it lasted almost six months. Is there anything that sort of made that go away, or that that started making you feel better about it?
1: Well, they downloaded me six months uh just because like like I went out to a particular post and then all of a sudden she started seeing that like I was finding all these people that were so she was like you can you can just hang out there for a little while I was like all right I don't see that as a problem but I was kind of mentally fed up and I had to do it like kind of on my own and that was for like a month and a half
0: that was so, a so, so, so that personal month and a half, was there anything specific that, that helped you sort of come to terms with what you saw, or it just sort of dissipated?
1: Well, uh, kind of both, and probably what helped me was the reason that it just kind of dissipated, because I had a dog. I had a Golden Nova Scotia duck tolling retriever. Uh, her name was Bella. I found her on the street, picked her up, three dog. <laughs> we found her on base. Took her in and uh she was friendly, so she was it was kinda nice to have her around.
0: And you and, and you think that her presence was therapeutic?
1: Yeah. I I'm pretty sure I had her. I think I did.
0: So what's uh so what are your you know, looking back on that and now that you're stateside and you're clearly seeing more stuff, you know, more media coverage on Veteran Suicide and you know, it's it's hitting Facebook and Twitter and it, it's it seems like it's everywhere now. You know, looking back on what you experience and what you're seeing now in the crisis in America, you know how do you how do you think that we as a community can better address this?
1: I mean it's bullshit these people aren't getting the right medical care that they need the v a is telling us off I mean they're calling somebody crazy just because you know they might have their opinions about particular subjects and they're being labeled as a fucking psychopath for. Wanting to voice their opinion or wanting to be able to defend themselves, and then they're they're called a crazy nut because they believe that you know the United States is being taken over by crazy, and then they're being labeled as a nut just because they know the truth. And most of those probably, most of those people have probably been to places like Afghanistan where there's explosions going off, they're seeing all the corruption that's happening here in the United States, but they're seeing it in first person, like, why are we over there? For humanitarian reasons? So we just take these boats and go over there and give everybody food? Like, they're seeing what's actually going on, like, who are these airstrikes directed at? Like, why not me personally, but like, why do I have to go over there and kill innocent people? Or do whatever the hell they have to do over there? Like, why do we have to do that?
0: John, a lot of times when I have a guest on um, you know, on the, talking about suicide in the veteran space and in the military and stuff, um, you know, they they come forward ready to tell a story. And uh, sometimes, you know, I want to make sure that anything that you are hoping to say or wanting to say, whatever message uh, or any opinion points, want to make it get made. Is there anything else that you want to throw out there that we haven't covered yet?
1: It, like, it really isn't worth it. It's it's not, it's not okay. Whatever they're feeling it's not okay to stab yourself in the neck or to shoot yourself in the side of the head because if they die on the spot or like three hours later in the hospital that's only like a tiny 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 tip of the massive iceberg that this thing is going to turn into because now you're putting law enforcement into an incredibly hazardous situation you're somebody has you or somebody else has reported that you're trying to kill yourself and so now law enforcement has to go in there with whatever equipment they have, using whatever tactics they learn, and they have no idea what you're doing. It it may be a completely vacant house, or you this person could be standing behind the door with a 12-gauge shotgun ready to clear the entire hallway of whoever's standing in it. And then after they get the house cleared, now the people at the hospital have to deal with this kid that stabbed himself in the neck and then NCIS or CID, they have to do their, their investigation. And then now housing has to go in and they probably had to replace, they had to replace every single tile in that place. They probably had to sand the walls. They had to sanitize the, every inch of the drywall, paint the whole place. I mean, that's like $20,000 of work because every inch of that flooring is marble. So, I mean, it's, It's not just about money, but, like, it's all about time. This person commits suicide, and now you're creating a major issue for hundreds of other people. Not to say that they're a burden, but, like, because somebody didn't want to go get help, now you're kind of residing as a burden because somebody wanted to stab themselves in the the neck and they didn't want to at least try to get help. I mean, like I said, I don't mean to... To the people that are, like, feeling the emotions at the time, they might feel that that's kind of disrespecting their emotional situation, but after they get out of that situation, it's going to make a lot more sense, and they're going to feel, like, a hundred times better. Like, now my family doesn't have to deal with the fact that, you know, I did what I did, and now I'm feeling great. So somebody out there is probably going to be like, oh, that was rude. Well, maybe it is, but I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not, maybe the help is there and you just need to
0: ask for it. Everybody has, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely many ways to look at the, the situation. Jordan, I, I appreciate you uh, coming on and, and, and talking to me and sharing that story and, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be people that, uh, I'm sure there's going to be people that, uh, you know, it, it's I think people are going to feel uncomfortable about that way of looking at it but I think that there's definitely some truth there and people understand.
1: And that's just coming from like the law enforcement side of it. I mean, I could have been I could have been killed. I, I didn't know what was going on in there. I mean, it's it's just like when the Marines, the recon force goes in, they have no idea what's on the other side of that, those front yeah. lines. So, I, I mean, once that door opened, I was like, is this dude yeah. on the other side of this wall, and he's going to try to kill us?
0: I interesting mean, way of looking at it.
1: So people need to put themselves in that position. Like, are, are you going to be walking down this hallway, and somebody's going to come out and point a gun at your face? I mean, we... We literally had no information, so that was relatively scary. I just didn't I wasn't able to think of it like that, like
0: so I think we can all understand uh the perspective that my guest has on responding to a suicide and I think we can all respect uh, you know, what he had what he went through, what he witnessed and how it affected him and uh how he looks back and and views suicide responses in general. Uh, I want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen. I'll be back on Thursday with Momentary Reflections. I'll be addressing a picture that has been floating around uh, the internet and and social media of a gentleman holding signs comparing uh, veteran suicide to the death of the lion in Africa. So, uh, stay tuned for that. Be sure to go to com O-N-E, the number two, ManyProject.com to listen to more of our episodes and to check out my TEDx talk on suicide prevention. Thank you so much for listening. See you Thursday. Wow, another great episode. I'm so honored to be able to share these stories. A lot of people ask me how they can get involved and what they can do to support the project. The best way to support is to either contribute a story that you may have regarding veteran suicide or whether your own or someone else's, or to subscribe to the show on iTunes or visit the website manyproject.com and share the episodes that you think have the most powerful stories so others can learn from them. Thank you for your time and thank you for your support.